thank you for being such a courteous uh, and uh, attentive and thoughtful audience. I don't know if you've learned much from me, but I've benefited much from all of you, and I mean that very sincerely. Thanks to the invitation from Ezra, our dear friends, so privileged to be uh, identified both individually and uh, the think tank I lead, Center for Culture Leadership, to be linked inextricably with Ezra. And thanks to my dear friend, Joe Boot, a mighty man of God. It's a privilege to have been a friend for a long time with this man, and I hope it'll be a lifetime friendship. Um, I hope that you, of course, stay linked up with Ezra, avail yourself of all the resources. I imagine if you can only do one for a while, listen to the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to you, listen to the podcast. Um, if you want to contact me, you can do, uh, if you're on Facebook, just Facebook private message, Twitter private message. Um, I'll just mention one thing. Just if you want to get the free weekly uh, e-newsletter, it's called Culture Change on Substack, substack.com. This Friday's article is titled LGBTQ++ colon the new third rail. So what in the world is that about? Well, you need to subscribe. (laughs) Eleven days ago, Dr. Boot And what seems like perhaps 11 weeks ago, Dr. Boot said in his first talk, um, we're going to tell you what we're going to tell you, then we're going to tell you, and then we're going to tell you what we told you. I take it my task to tell you what we told you. Uh, Though in a brief, direct, succinct, and I pray memorable and biblical way. I'm just going to read briefly uh, four verses from Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read Acts chapter 2. This is, of course, Peter preaching on that first post-resurrection Pentecost, accompanied by the mighty onrushing power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2. I'm simply going to read verses 32 to 36. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Three simple, direct, immediate points. First, Jesus Christ is Lord everywhere, over everything, all the time, and right now. Did you know the first Christian creed is actually... In the English language, three words, Jesus is Lord. Perhaps you thought the first creed is the so-called Apostles' Creed, but it's not. It's a lovely creed. Some of us recite it every Sunday. But actually, if you ask the earliest Christians 
in the biblical era, what is your creed? They would say, well, I guess I could summarize it as Jesus is Lord. They didn't yet understand the intricacies of the Trinity. They would have understood that intuitively, but that actually took time to develop and hammer out all of the implications of the Trinity. Didn't quite understand everything about justification and all of these related things, though intuitively they would have understood this, the very basics. But one thing, my friends, they did understand. Jesus is Lord. And the one that was crucified and rose from the dead, ascended into the heavens, is ruling all things. That they understood. And went everywhere preaching that, the basis of the gospel, the good news. It's cosmic lordship. Paul writes about it in Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1. And we read about it in Hebrews chapter 1 and also 1 Corinthians 15. We can learn that Jesus Christ is Lord not just of the human heart. The Bible certainly does teach what is called lordship salvation. And accepting Jesus Christ as Savior, we also accept him as Lord. No, not just lordship salvation, but cosmic Lordship. Jesus is Lord not just in salvation. Jesus is Lord over everything. You must leave here with that understanding. Jesus is Lord of all. And he's Lord not just of the church. That's the traditional Roman Catholic idea. The nature-grace distinction that you've heard about. But there is no nature-grace distinction. Jesus Christ is Lord of everything, and the Word of God is designed to govern everything. We cannot limit this lordship to soteriology or salvation doctrine. Salvation is vital, but the great central theme is the kingdom of God. And in the New Testament, it comes to the forefront in the lordship of Jesus Christ. Lordship over everything, over all spheres, everything. In our individualistic age, lordship is often limited to the individual heart. And thus, there's a sort of interiorized kingship. But that's a contradiction of terms. No king in the history of the world would have said, yes, I rule, but my subjects know it privately and quietly in their hearts. They say nothing about it. There's nothing public about my kingship. Well, kingship is inherently a public matter, and we cannot reduce the faith to the private realm. Jesus is Lord of all areas of life and thought. And accompanying that idea is the notion that the outer world, see the dualism, the outer world belongs to the devil, but the inner world, the world between my two ears and in my lovely little heart belongs to Jesus, but the outer world belongs to the devil. My friends, that is a self-serving and satanic myth. That idea has surrendered God's good world to the devil, and it is wrong. Jesus is Lord over all fields of life. There's no two-tiered earthly reality. You've heard about that. Maybe you've also heard this week this metaphor about the... <laughs> double-decker London tour buses. How many of you have been to London before and know what I'm talking about, the, the tour buses? Well, people have, like Francis Schaeffer said, uh, uh, evangelicals and others have this two-tiered view of reality. Up on the upper deck are the really spiritual things, reading the Word of God and prayer and attending church and uh, kind words toward others and living for the Lord sort of quietly in our private lives. And then down on the lower deck are all the worldly things. Our job and um, education and the science and the technology, politics, things like that, that stuff is okay and it's something we really have to endure. 
But it's not all that important to the Christian faith. What people like that never seem to realize is that the bus driver is always down on the bottom deck. (laughs) And the bus driver is the one driving the bus. And an evil culture has been driving the bus over the cliff. It is time for the saints of God to, in a biblical way, a peaceful way, through the preaching of the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit, to re-commandeer the lower deck and start driving the bus. And that's one thing Runner is doing, helping us, equipping us to start driving the bus. Jesus Christ is presently Lord. At his ascension, he took his cosmic throne. That lordship cannot be postponed until the second advent or the eternal state. It won't come in all of its fullness until then. We are not offering a utopia, but nonetheless, The Bible tells us in a number of places the kingdom of God is destined to expand in time and history, and we can be very confident of that. So, the first very simple point is that Jesus Christ is Lord everywhere, over everything, all the time, right now. Second, the king's law governs all areas of life and thought. This is not just, and it pains me to say it, because so many good people say This is the beautiful love letter from Jesus. There's a sense in which that's very true. God loves us and his son poured out his life's blood on the cross. He rose again. This is a love letter. But it's not just a love letter. This is the word of the king. This is not filled with suggestions. These are the king's directives. This is the constitution of the king for all the universe, not just the church. Ours is a deeply antinomian, lawless age. In the wider culture, this means radical autonomy, which basically reduces to the notion, I get to do what I want to do as long as I don't hurt anybody else, and maybe even if I have to hurt somebody else. Radical individual autonomy is is the credo, is the creed of the time that is absolutely antithetical to everything that biblical Christianity teaches. It's wrong. This is the word of the king, and we must conform ourselves to it. They get to the point of now reinventing reality, that men and women are interchangeable. Gender reaffirmation surgery. In the church, this often comes under the antinomian banner of under grace, not under law, which the Bible does teach, but it's often twisted to teach that, well, under grace, that means God's law, God's whole word is kind of set aside, and I'm just do polite things for Jesus. I kind of impress him by doing polite things and have a heartfelt devotion, and that's all that's required. My friends, that's wrong. <laughs> the moral law of God is a transcription of the character of God. So to get rid of the law of God is to get rid of the character of God, and to get rid of the character of God is to get rid of God. To abandon the law of God is essentially to abandon God. So closely aligned is he with his covenant kingdom word. It's the king's law book. His word is law in vocation, politics, in human sexuality, in every, uh, everywhere. Where the Bible speaks, the argument's over. Where the Bible speaks, the argument is over. Unfortunately, many Christians want a very miniaturized Bible. They're operational Marcionites. 
Marcion was an ancient heretic who basically wanted to lop off all of the Old Testament, not really the Word of God, certainly not for us today. And so we want to be New Testament Christians. Isn't that wonderful? We have a great enthusiasm for being New Testament Christians, not old, decrepit, old, old Testament Christians. There's a supreme irony there because you ever think that people actually living in the era of the New Testament could never have thought that way? Because the only Bible they had was the Hebrew Scriptures. All of the New Testament Christians were Old Testament Christians. The Old Testament, what's called the Old Testament, let's call it the Hebrew Scriptures, is the foundation of everything. And then as we move to the New Testament, the glorious, glorious capstone of everything in Jesus Christ. You can't do without the foundation, and you can't do without the capstone. You need the whole thing. The authority of the word is not limited to private piety. The word governs all of life. It's remarkable how many Christians read around, read around the seemingly unimportant parts. Well, matters of eating and war and money, economics, technology, music, those things aren't very important. But they obviously are important if they're in the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the words of the Pauline epistles. Is that what it says? <laughs> but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So second, the king's law governs all areas of life and thought. And third and finally, the king's kingdom will advance incrementally and be victorious in time and history. My fr friends... We're in an army, and our army is destined to win. What is the kingdom? The kingdom, remember, is the reign of God. Even sovereignty sometimes is translated that. The sovereignty in some translations. The, so the kingdom is the sovereignty. It's what God is doing in the world. We are the Lord's deputies, exercising sovereignty under his sovereignty, of course, and always in submission to him. And to advance that reign in time and history. Sin derailed the kingdom temporarily, but not permanently. It did not overturn the kingdom of God. God set a plan in motion to send his son. The new Adam, who would succeed where the first Adam failed. Jesus Christ is God's new dominion man. And all of us who are united to him by faith are his dominion people. Properly, benevolently, through the gospel, exercising dominion. Not through coercion. Not principally through politics, but through the power of the word of God. Islam advances through the power of the sword. Christians advance through the power of the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus is presently the ruling king, as we learn from the book of Daniel and from 1 Corinthians 15.25. He must reign till he, he Christ must reign, until he, the Father, has put all enemies, Jesus, under his feet. He unleashed the Spirit to do that at Pentecost. That's why the Spirit was given. Not just for private delights, but to equip the church to fulfill the great commission that Jesus Christ gave. To equip the church to extend the kingdom of God by the gospel. This is the course of the interadvental period. Gradual, gradual kingdom victory. 
Satan's kingdom, of course, is still alive, though not well. Satan's kingdom is the alt kingdom, the alt world. It's a pale, perverted reflection of the true kingdom. And his design is to lead you in thinking that his alt world, his alt kingdom, is the actual world, an actual kingdom. But it is not. It is not. The true kingdom, the true world, is God's world and God's kingdom. That is the false world, his, of the trans world. The trans world, the statist world, the covetous world, the secular world, the neo-pagan world, the contra-creational contra world. And remember that Satan is always bluffing. He's always trying to convince us that he holds all of the high cards. He doesn't. He holds a lot, a, like a little measly two of clubs. <laughs> and we have a handful of kings and aces. And we constantly fold and fold and fold and fold. Quit folding. We live in a God-rigged universe. People say, Andrew, are you concerned about how this will end? I don't mean at the second coming. I know everything will be okay then, but as we look around, it could be quite a while. What's going to happen? Oh, I'm not worried. Of course, I see the evil around us. I'm very realistic about that. Oh, but I'm not worried. You know why? We live in a God-rigged universe. God has rigged the laws of his universe so that evil cannot win. Reality bites back. We are the victors. So operate in a quiet, bold confidence, constantly marching toward victory. Pray in victory. Pray in faith. March in victory. Witness in victory. Witness in faith. You say, but I've witnessed and it seems like nobody is hearing the gospel and nobody is trusting Christ. Keep preaching the gospel. The Holy Spirit of God will open hearts in times that you and I cannot, do not understand. In God's good time, it's amazing what he can and will do. Therefore, in review, <clears throat> Jesus Christ is Lord everywhere, over everything, all the time, right now. The king's law governs all areas of life and thought. And the king's kingdom will advance incrementally and be victorious in time and history. The arc of history, the arc of history bends toward Christ's victorious kingdom. Would you like to know why? Because God is the one doing the bending. This is God's world. This is not Satan's world. This is God's world, and he is in control. And he will bring his plan to fullness and fruition in his good time. And we are his saints, and we're his soldiers, and we're his people. And he is destined that his saints will rule the earth under his authority. That is what we are called to do. So leave here with great joy and with great confidence and great victory and live your life as victory people because that is what we are. We are the victory people. Father, bless us as we go. Fill us mightily with your spirit. Bless each of these students here. May every single one give his heart to you afresh, not just his heart, though beginning there, but his entire life. These young men and ladies, Lord, dedicate 
May they dedicate themselves to you fully. May all of us here recommit ourselves, Lord Jesus, to you, not just as Savior, but as Lord, to your word, all of it, Old and New Testaments, and to your victorious kingdom which you have promised. We're praying that in faith, O God, based on the promises of your word. Lord, you do that because you said you would, so we're expecting you're going to do just what you said you would. And as Solomon said in the Old Testament at the dedication of the temple, not one good promise has failed of all the good promises that you've given. So we're trusting you, O God, to do just what you said. We pray it, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the risen one, the ascended one, the ruling one, our Savior and Lord and King. Amen.